0: Good evening. It's great to be here. I have uh, been to many, many... God's blessed me and allowed me to speak at many churches around uh, America, even in Uganda, but I've never been here, but I'm blessed. I have never been to Birmingham. Uh, It's awesome. I love this place. Wow. It really is awesome. It's really an awesome place. And you know what? You know where the most awesome place or the very best place you can be? Exactly where God has you. In the center of God's will is the exact place that you should be. And I am a firm believer. You seek... Well, the Bible teaches it. Seek God with all of your heart and you will find Him, the Bible promises. Seek Him with all your heart, you will find Him. And if you listen, He will speak to you and then do whatever He says because He doesn't make any mistakes. Amen? Amen. He does not make mistakes. His will is perfect. His will is perfect. And uh, I'm... I don't really like titles, honestly. I mean, I guess I'm, I am a pastor, uh, but I just go by Bill. Like actually, in Uganda, they call me Daddy Bilu. They can't say L's and R's, so they call me Daddy Bilu. I have hundreds of kids that call me Dad, but, which is can be very stressful and difficult, but God is in faithful to give you everything you need for what he's called you to do. But uh, a little bit about my story. Uh, I was a narcotics detective with the DEA, and, uh, but my life was a mess. My life was a complete mess. I was living a double life, uh, addicted to alcohol and all sorts of sin, and God began to call me, and I, thank God I listened. And on uh, April 20th, of 2004, I finally surrendered. And it took a drug dealer, actually. I was at a follow-up investigation at a little house in uh, Hillsboro, Oregon. I pulled out my badge, and a drug dealer pulled out a gun and put it to my head and pointed it from about two feet, tried to pull the trigger, the gun didn't fire. And God saved my life. Anybody, you guys, this is probably God and guns country, Alabama. You know, revolvers, revolvers would fire. You could lay it in the mud puddle for a month and pick it out, and it would probably fire. But God is all powerful, ever present, all knowing. And he stopped that gun from firing. And I wish I don't have time to tell you the whole story. If you're interested, I can tell you after the service. But God saved me that day. I should be dead. And he called me to surrender everything, confess my sins. And he would set me free. And on April 20th, that's the day I did that. 2004 and you know what I walked in my pastor's office dead in my sins and trespasses gave my life to Jesus and I walked out of there a new creation in Jesus Christ says who the son sets free is free indeed amen give God all the glory and that began our ministry I then the very day two I quit my job turned in my gun and my badge and picked up a more powerful weapon my Bible Amen. Trust me, this is a more powerful weapon. You think a gun's more powerful? No, this is more powerful. Amen. This has eternal life transformation. And uh, God spoke to me and said I was going to be a missionary to America. I didn't know what that meant, but I just served him each day. It's best of my ability. Surrender each day and tried to follow him empowered by his spirit to do his will. And God gave us a vision, me and Dave and Deanna and Danielle. My wife is Danielle. Dave's wife is Deanna. They're sisters. We started Agents for Christ. I was an agent for the United States government, and then I became an agent for Jesus Christ. And let me promise you, it's better serving Jesus. Much better serving Jesus. But uh, the ministry started. We sold everything, bought two RVs, and a mini- uh, the plan was simple. Travel around the country, sharing the gospel, and encouraging others to do the same. And through that simple uh, step of faith, with two RVs, God has grown Agents for Christ into uh, still one ministry, into two, started with two RVs, now we have Agents for Christ as two parts. Tenth Hour Project in New Mexico is one part, and the Uganda Kids Project in Uganda is the other part. And there's many other things involved. We have a church. I mean, we planted a church, Calvary Chapel of Shunga, in the bush of southwest Uganda. But uh, even Evangelism Minute plays across the radio all over the United States. It's Dave's radio ministry. We have a ministry, Got Tracks ministry, and all these different things, all for Jesus. That's really our motto, all for Jesus. And actually in Uganda, it started with Matthew 6.33, which that song was about, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all else will be added unto you. And we were trying to teach that to the kids, not just empty words. It's easy to say, I believe in Jesus. It's easy to say, I'm a Christian. But how you live will prove it. And that doesn't mean we're perfect or sinless. You know, even in our sins, we can glorify God in how we handle it. We make a mistake and we go and ask forgiveness or apologize or repent or whatever the situation. But we live for Christ, and that's, we're going to lead others to Jesus. Um, We share Jesus with our words, and we show Jesus with our life, and mostly through love. Amen? But uh, you guys know, probably know a little bit about you. 10th Hour Project, uh, Tyler said it, um, it's basically a nine-month gap year program. They go to New Mexico for three months, and they travel the United States for a couple, three months, six weeks, twice, and then they come to Uganda for three months. And then after Uganda, they go back and do a a re-entry phase for two weeks back in New Mexico and then go to their home church or ministry, wherever God leads them to do a six-month internship and god is doing oh my goodness the i wish i had the time to tell you all the miracles that god did to start 10th hour project but god sent us to uganda and honestly i didn't really want to go to uganda god was blessing the ministry in america with agents for christ and god all of a sudden said you're done go to uganda and i'm like what uganda I mean, I thought I was going to a terrible place. So when I went to was told about Uganda, they're telling me the mosquitoes have malaria. It's hot. It's terrible. Dirty. Terrible. They basically portrayed this terrible place. But when I got there, I realized it was exactly where God had me. And uh, it's beautiful. I actually I sometimes I feel guilty. I live in Hawaii without the ocean where we live, it's 60 to 80 all year round. I grow my own coffee, so come visit, I'll uh, pour you a cup. We grow pineapples and bananas and mangoes and avocados and all this stuff. And we started with a vision in Uganda to do two things, to plant a church, basically teach the Bible for the, feed people's spirits, and teach, uh, put in a well and give water for people's uh, bodies. And that's exactly what we did. We went to Ishunga, which was a place that no white person has ever lived, and lived on a a grass hill with two Walmart tents and a vision to serve Jesus. We lived in those tents for three months as God built the first mission center, call it IMOC, Ishunga Mission Outreach Center. It's a multi-purpose building where we have our church, where there's uh, rooms for visitors to come. Uh, on short-term and long-term mission trips. Our house, everything is there. And uh, that's where it began. As we continued to serve Jesus and do His, you know, seek him with all of our hearts and do whatever he said, God opened up the doors for us to build a medical center for the kids. We started a primary school, which started with only 17 kids in one classroom in IMOC. And now we have almost 500 kids in our school and God, to God be the glory. Pray for my wife, Danielle. She's there right now running, the sh- running everything. And it's, God's blessed her with some amazing administrative ability. I tell you, she's way better than me. Praise God for good wives. Amen. She is way better administratively than me. But uh, God, so she needs uh, God's spirit to empower her to do God's will every day there in Uganda. But uh, we're building a high school right now. We have our first class of 27 students in our high school. We're trying to build, uh, we built one classroom, one classroom block and uh, a lot of things to start the first year. And year two, we're trying to build a gymnasium so that we can, um, basically they call it a main hall. It'll be a gym and a chapel for the Bible to be taught every day and the kids to have a place to, play uh, sports and everything but we have a little video there's so many things it's hard I always forget stuff but uh, there's a lot of times when I'm teaching uh, I will remember little details to to encourage you with but I just want to encourage you with this we have a little video we're going to play in a second but let me encourage you with this God wants to use you where you are I never thought I'd be in Uganda never dreamed I'd be in Uganda and God sent me to Uganda and wants to use me in Uganda God has you here where you are in your family, your friends, your work, whatever, wherever you go, missions is where you are. Missions is where you are. Wherever you are, there's a mission, it's your mission field. You don't have to go to Uganda to be a missionary. You are a missionary for Jesus Christ where you are. And a lot of people go to, on short-term mission trips and they, like, flip on the mission switch. And then they're all serving Jesus and doing outreach and doing all this stuff. And then they come back home, switch it off. That's not the way we're supposed to live. We are a servant of Jesus Christ wherever we are. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And Uganda is the other side of the world, is the end of the earth, and Alabama is the other end of the earth. Amen? And God calls us to be a witness. But the devil lies and works through fear, and he wants you to be afraid. I went to a taught evangelism to a bunch of youth, and the kids stood up and said, Sir, I'm sorry. We can't do that. It's illegal. That's a lie and fear. God has called us to be a witness, and really that's not that difficult. I I stood up in court probably a thousand times, raised my right hand, swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God, and would be a witness in that case as to whatever I saw, heard, or experienced in that case that I was testifying in. Well, you're a witness for Jesus Christ, and all God wants you to do is tell others what He's done for you, what you've experienced and what you heard and what you've experienced with Jesus. That's not difficult. Don't you want to tell? What else do we got? Without Jesus, if we have only the world, people without Christ, they have no hope. No hope. But we have hope, and God wants you to share that hope with others, and be a witness. Is only just telling them what God has done for you, and uh, the great news. What God's called you to do, He's given the, the Holy Spirit to empower you to live inside of you to do that job. God has given you the power to be a witness through a spirit that lives inside of all of us. And it's just about making yourself available. I just said, Here I am, Lord. Actually, I always think of Isaiah. I talk about Isaiah chapter 6 a lot because it's very powerful verses to me. But Isaiah said, Here I am, Lord, send me. Or who shall we go? Who will, you know, it's like, Here's the Lord call out. Who's going to go for us? Who's, who shall we send? And Isaiah's like, Yes, send me. I'll go. Anyway, we have a little video. It's uh, two minutes, just a little overview of what God's doing. Tenth Hour Project and Uganda Kids Project through Agents for Christ. So let's watch this little video. There's sound. That's our campus in Uganda. It's my wife and one of my sons, Isaac, born without hands and legs. Our primary school. Secondary school, high school. Our church. High school students at the tree. One of our primary school classes. Baptismal. campus in New Mexico. Dave and the students. Grandpa Don went to Uganda at 70 years old, lived in a tent. Campus in New Mexico and the Oregon Mountains behind the campus. Beautiful place. And the campus in Uganda, Uganda Kids Project. You know, God is, I'm telling you, I love Ephesians 3.20. God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what you can ask, think, or even imagine through his spirit that lives inside of each of us as believers in Jesus Christ. God wants to do great things in your life. It doesn't matter. Grandpa Don was 70, maybe he was even 72 or 4, I don't even remember. He was old. And he went to Uganda and lived in a tent for three months. And he built all the first tables we had in IMOC. He built them all. The guy is amazing. Don't let me tell you, anybody's too old to serve Jesus. Ever. Even if wherever, whatever you are, you know, one of the greatest ministries, my mom and dad are getting old and their, their ministry is a ministry of prayer. They pray for, I don't even know, a long time praying. There's always something you can do to serve Jesus. Amen. So, you know, God's doing a great, amazing things in Uganda and New Mexico, but there's a lot of things that we need. Need your prayers. Um, we have a table out there there's a few crafts and little net bracelets and stuff it's all for donation if you don't have any money take one it's fine i don't care just pray for us but we're trying to build a, uh, a gymnasium or a main hall in uganda and we're you know trusting god i know he's going to provide he's never let me down he'll never let us down yeah, but maybe god wants to use you we have um prayer cards out there for praying for me and my wife a um, couple brochures. See if I can do this without dropping everything. 10th Hour Proje- Project brochure, Ages for Christ brochure. Just a little information about the ministry. We have uh, kids for sponsorship. Uh, all the kids we have. Like 400 kids in our sponsorship program. We are a small ministry made up of still four people. Me and my wife do all the sponsorship program in Uganda. Dave and Deanna. Deanna mainly does all the stuff on this side. The money you give to these kids goes to the kids. I don't know what other sponsorship programs do, but we give the money to the kids. I minister to this girl every day. I teach the Bible. My job in Uganda is teaching the Bible verse by verse to every kid. And uh, if you want to sponsor a child, there's an opportunity. Also, one of the shortfalls that happened during COVID was, uh, and we tried to grow the ministry, was to give better food for the school. So, $12 a month, you can uh, provide a student with food for a whole month. Anyway, those are just some simple ideas of how you can, how you can get involved, and you've gone to Kids Project. I'd love to talk to you more after the service, but right now my desire is to encourage you in the Word of God. It's living and active and powerful. Um, The message tonight is called Winning the War. It's in James chapter 4, 7 to 10. If you have your Bibles turned there, James 4, 7 to 10. And I will read and then I will pray. And we will ask the Spirit to come and touch all of us tonight. James 4, beginning in verse 7, says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Let's pray. In the local language where I live, it's Runyankoli. Let's pray is katushabe, katushabe. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for your grace. It's by the grace of God that we move forward each day, the go I, and thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. And Lord, we desire to love you, and to know you, and to walk with you. So I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd fill this place. And God, you'd open the hearts of each person you touch each person here, that we would be changed by your power and leave this place and go out and be your witnesses. Lord, I thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, tonight I'm going to be talking about spiritual battles and it's something we all face, really the, the battle that goes on in every single one of us right now. Everywhere you go all the time is this battle between your flesh and your spirit. And is something we need to acknowledge is real so that we can feed our spirit so our spirit grows strong and our flesh grows weak and see Jesus have victory in our lives. But a battle, the definition of a battle means is a fight, an encounter between enemies or opposing arm, armies. So we keep it simple tonight. A battle is just a fight. So a spiritual battle is a spiritual fight. And Paul teaches us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, Tells us what, who our enemies are. And make it clear our enemies are not each other. It's not other people. It's not even atheists who don't believe in God. Our, our, Paul tells us who our enemies are. For we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's who we're battling against the spiritual health host of wickedness in the heavenly places. And the spiritual fight, we need to be honest. We are the target. The devil wants to destroy you, kill you, take you where he knows he's going to hell. And we need to be honest that the battle is for your, our souls, for our kids and our families and our neighbors, our friends. At the same time, we don't want to give the devil not even a second of our time. The devil has already been defeated. Jesus defeated the enemy, but the enemy is still fighting. He was still trying to destroy you. We don't want to give him a second. Of, because he works through fear and through lies if you're a born-again believer here trusting in jesus as your lord and savior he can't touch you he only can work through fear and lies in uganda we see all sorts of things witch doctors everywhere it's very strange i never thought, I thought that was like a thing from the movies but it's real and uh, we see people worshiping a tree. We're going to be talking about that later. Demonic possession, demonic oppression. It's real. We see it almost every day. But the spiritual battle in America, it's just as real. It just looks different. And you gone are to their worshiping a tree in America. They're worshiping what? A team, a person, some type of thing. Even self. Self is a very difficult thing. Self is the root word to selfish, yes? And the truth is, we're all pretty selfish. I'm very, very selfish. And I was thinking about it, you know, our self is a really big battle that we all face because you either have one side is self-righteousness, thinking I'm holy, I'm like prideful, I got this. Or the other side is uh, complete sin, right? Self-indulgence. What's the balance between those two things? Is it's love. And God is love. God wants us to know his love. He wants us to be filled with his love and go out and share his love with others. You know, through this whole book of James, it's a very practical book. And it gives us advice about how to live a Christian life and there's many things, but I wanted to talk about the first three chapters. It talks about being double minded, being only hearers of the word, showing personal favoritism to the rich, speaking empty words, not true faith, having evil tongues out of the same mouth, blessing and cursing, and many other things. But when we come to chapter four, James addresses this war going on inside of all of us this battle between our flesh and our spirit, good and evil, Jesus and Satan, God's kingdom, and the devil, and this world system. And tonight, we're going to look at three things, these four verses. Three things. The first thing is our problem. The second thing is the battle. And the third thing is the victory. The first thing is our problem. And we all struggle with problems. Jesus is the victory over our problems. But here in verse 7, James writes, Therefore, submit to God. Whenever you see the word therefore, if you read King James, verily, verily, or other translations use a different word, but therefore, we need to look back. It's actually because of what they say. Because of therefore, what is the therefore therefore? Or basically, based on it, because of everything I just said, this is what you should do. Or everything God said, this is what you should do. So to see our problem, we need to go back. Now we can go back to the whole book tells us the problems we struggle with, but we don't got time to look through the whole book of James. So we're just gonna go back to James four one to four to see the problem, or our problem. It says where do wars and fights come from among you do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members you lust and do not have you murder and covet and cannot obtain you fight and war that you do not have because you do not ask you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures adulterers and adulteresses don't, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with god who whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of god James has given us some real problems we all face every day. But really, what is the root of all those problems? We're all a bunch of sinners. The truth is, sin is a serious problem. And we all struggle with it. It's like a disease, and we all struggle with it. But as we continue to walk with Jesus, He's faithful to transform our lives. But it seems like the longer I've been walking with Jesus, the more I see my sin. It's like the more closer I am with God closer you are to the light the more you see the dirt right that is really our problem and sin is everywhere and honesty is very important and I encourage you every person does mean me, Tyler the oldest person, the youngest person we all need somebody that's more mature in our faith that we can talk to somebody that you can trust that you can go and talk to and pray with and they can encourage you and you can you know lifted up through a more mature brother or sister but tonight i'm talking about being honest with two people yourself and god because right here two people know the truth about me everything i've ever done everything i've ever thought every sin me and god and the great news is god Though we've sinned while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God proved his love for us by sending Jesus, and he loves us. Why are we trying to hide from God? God already knows everything, so just be honest. It says, You can faith if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to not only forgive you but also to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And James here. Talking to all of us, he challenges everyone from here by saying in verse 1, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desire for pleasure that war in your members? Truth is, our flesh likes to feel good. That's why drugs and alcohol and all sorts of sins and things that are all about making us feel good are everywhere. James calls it desires for pleasure. And everywhere you go, walk in the mall. I was walking over there. uh, I don't know where it was. Somewhere over there where the Apple store is. And I was like, man. It's like the world is everywhere. I was on the plane trying to call you, right? And the world, when I'm talking about the world, I'm talking about the world system that's created by man to live without God. You with me? The world that I'm talking about is the world system created by man to live without God. And the world's calling you, trying to get you to leave Jesus and come enjoy the pleasures you know, it's everywhere. TV, internet, everywhere you look. Calling for you to come. Come, feel good. Come, enjoy the pleasures of life. But I want to remind you, somebody else is calling. Jesus. Jesus is calling for us to come and follow me, he says. I'll never forget, I was raised in a Christian home. And I ran from God. I joined the United States Marine Corps. And I wanted to do my own thing. I was, didn't want to follow Jesus. And uh, I ran far. Running from Jesus only leads to one place, destruction. Run from Jesus, you're going to end up in destruction. And I remember sitting in my home church, Calvary Chapel Southeast in Portland, Oregon, and I was living a double life, and I hated my sin. I wanted to follow Jesus, but I had this battle going on. And I can remember I was sitting like back there in a little bigger church, but whatever, same place in the back. And it was like God spoke to me directly to my heart. And Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, like my pastor read it. and It was like God was speaking to me, calling me, saying, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I knew what it was like trying to do it on my own, and I wasn't working. I knew what it was like to carry the heavy load of sin, and it was terrible. But I had never experienced rest. I came to Jesus. I finally listened. You know, there's two voices calling, right? The enemy, the world, the flesh, the world, and the devil calling you to come and follow it. And Jesus is calling. We need to listen to Jesus. We need to be honest. Which voice are we listening to tonight? James continues to challenge us. In verse 2 and 3, he says, You lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Now, he's talking about the sin of prayerlessness, not praying. He's also talking about praying with the wrong motives, trying again back to the pleasures of this world and the flesh. <clears> he <throat> says, spend it on your pleasures. But he's also talking about the strong desire that's in all of us. It's called coveting. And coveting is a very terrible sin. It's a strong desire for something that somebody else has that you don't have and you want it bad. And coveting is very dangerous. You know why? Because it's sin in our hearts. And we can easy to hide what's in our hearts. Very, very easy. Been teaching through the book of Romans in Uganda. Pray for my assistant pastor. He's a Ugandan. His name is Ezra. We we I discipled this guy. We brought him in through our school of ministry, and it's not easy for a Ugandan man to serve Jesus, especially serving Jesus with a bunch of mazungus. White people are mazungu in Uganda. Mazungu. all right. And a group of U- white people are Abazungu. So right here we're a group of Abazungu, or there's you know and whatever. But uh book of Romans, pray for Ezra, because he's running the church without me, and God's raised this man up. He's awesome. But teaching through Romans 7, came to Romans 7, 7, where it says, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law has said, You shall not covet. And I was wondering, why did Paul use the sin of coveting? You know, Paul was the uh, apostle to the Gentiles, but he spoke to the Jews all the time. And the Jews had this problem. They looked good on the outward outside, but the inward, they were dead man's bones. And they coveted. They had, a sin, they had a real problem. The sins of the heart. And that's what coveting is. It's the sin of the heart. And we, too, struggle with issues of the heart. But we need to be very careful about what we allow in our hearts. Because what we see, what we hear, and what we meditate on or think about will ultimately be what we do. It says in Proverbs 23, 7, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. We need to be very careful what we allow our kids to see. I mean, it's a pretty simple truth. I mean, people call it whatever dog you feed. You know, you have this black dog and this white dog. Whichever one you feed will, grow, will live and grow. And that's the battle between our flesh, sin, and the spirit. And we need to allow things into our heart, into our see, be looking at things of God, be listening to things of God. We need to be meditating on God's word because what we see, hear, and think about will ultimately become what we do. James continues in verse 4, he says, Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And James calls us adulterers and adulteresses. Why? That's a pretty harsh words. I really believe it's because we are cheating on God with the world. We are cheating on God with the world. And he says very plainly, if you want to be a friend of the world you're going to be an enemy of god and the word those three words are very scary enemy of god no i want to be a friend of god i want to walk with god i want to know god be filled with the power of his spirit follow jesus jesus said in matthew six twenty four, no one can serve two masters you got to choose for a long time, I tried to walk, you know, this is like the fence. I tried to have my foot in the world, the foot in the church, but I was the most miserable person because the devil owns the fence. I'm sure you've heard that before. It's true. And these are very straightforward challenges we need to acknowledge it's true in our lives and we need to be honest with God. I'll use my own self as an example because for a long time, I struggled with alcohol and I used to lie, I used to think, oh, I can drink, have one drink, I can, I, I'm in control of my drinking, all sorts of lies regarding alcohol. And as long as I played games, I was lying to myself, I could never had victory. When I was honest with myself and God, and I said, I have a drinking problem, and I need help, and I came to Jesus and surrendered my problem, surrendered my life, and asked him to heal me and free, set me free, I don't drink a drop, because Jesus set me free. But it took being honest. I really encourage you, you need to be honest with God about your struggles and He will deliver you and set you free and empower you to serve Him, not the flesh, the world, and the devil. Our second thing we wanna talk about is the battle is real. In James, verse seven, James says, he gives us the two sides. James four, seven says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil. These two sides opposing battle forces, the God and the devil. God, one true God and the devil. A lot of people, I've been out witnessing, we still go every week in Uganda, we take our kids out witnessing. I want them to know Jesus and be bold to share Jesus. Because you will never go out and share the gospel with somebody something you don't have. You can't go tell somebody with power of the Holy Spirit if it's something you don't have yourself. And uh, it does something when you go out and share your faith. You have to have this inner battle. Do I really believe this enough to tell somebody else about Jesus? And when you make that decision, yes, I believe in Jesus, and yes, I love Jesus, and yes, I'm going to tell someone else about Jesus, something, tra- something happens. I've seen it many, many times. We were in Louisiana out witnessing, and we were all going to a, a shopping area to, to go witnessing. And one lady made it past the train, and then the train came. The rest of us were stuck behind the train. And this girl got to the place where we were witnessing by herself. And her own personal testimony, she's there by herself, standing there, like wrestling with God. Do I believe in Jesus? Do I love Jesus? Do I want to share Jesus? And she made a decision in her heart and on her own started talking to people, about, you know. And she'd never done it before, but she trusted God. And God transformed her life, life that night. But I hear people a lot, when you go out talking to people, you say, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the devil. I don't believe in hell. I don't believe in eternal life. People say all kinds of things they don't believe and all kinds of lies they do believe. But I want to encourage you, it doesn't matter what people believe. What matters is what's true. What matters is what's true. And faith is important. It says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. But we need to believe in the right thing and trust in what's true, amen? And the Bible is very clear about what's true. Talks a lot about, obviously, the Father of truth. Talks about Jesus being the way and the truth and the life. Says the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth that guides us into all truth. And what? This book is the truth. Every word is true and every promise is for you today. And we need to read it. This is the power of God. It's like when God breathed into Adam and he became a living being. The same word is in 2 Timothy 3.16 in the Greek. Basically, God breathed. When you read the Bible, it's like the breath of God is giving you life to your spirit. We you need to believe the truth. And the Bible is true. spirit is the spirit of truth. Jesus is the truth. We need to follow Christ. Talking about these two opposing forces. Who is God? We can talk about God for a long time. God is the creator. He's the sustainer. He's the life giver, forgiving, loving. Lord of lords, king of kings. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God. Sadly, our kids are being lied in school about evolution. What a ridiculous lie. What a ridiculous. Lie. I could go out there and pick one leaf off a tree, or one blade of grass and go all over the world to find the greatest scientists with that one leaf. and they would spend the rest of, they could spend the rest of their lives looking at that leaf. because the depth and the inner workings of that leaf are so amazing. It shows the majesty of God. and it proves that God created the world. You, the greatest thing, up. <clears throat> even Darwin said in his book, Origin of the Species, he, thinking about the human eye, and he said it's absurd to the highest degree, and nobody wants to talk about this in that book. He said it's absurd to the highest degree that the human eye, with all of its millions of working parts, could have evolved over millions of years or whatever years of slight modification, slowly by slowly, it's absurd to the highest degree. Your eye was created the way it was made. God created your eyes. God created the world. Paul talking about Jesus who is God in Colossians 1, 16 and 17, it says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Talking about Jesus who is God and that he holds all things together. Isaiah... Describe God, I love this verse, Isaiah 40, 28. I can just see Isaiah like crying out to people have you not seen? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creators of the end of the earth. Never faint, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Isaiah, have you not seen? It's everywhere. God's in heavens declares the glory of God. Have you not heard it? God is screaming that people are without excuse. He's the Lord, the everlasting God, the creator of all things. He never gets tired. 1 John, or God, Apostle John said in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, talking about God's holiness, it says, God is light and in him is no d- darkness at all. God is holy. He has no darkness. He's perfect. Talking about God's love, 1 John 4, it says it twice. Three powerful words that changed my life. God is love. God is love. It's the very nature. And when we spend time with God through prayer and through reading his word and through worshiping him and fellowship and being a witness for him, we're spending time with God. We're filled with his love and his love transforms our lives to go out and share his love with others. Jesus said you can love your enemies. How is that possible? The only way it's possible is we spend time with Jesus. And Jesus fills us with his love, fills us with his light. And we go out, empowered by the Spirit, to love even our enemies. Go on and on and on about describing God. Who is the devil? First of all, the devil a liar. In John 8, 44, it says, He he. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lives. He's a liar. He doesn't have no truth. The devil is defeated. Colossians 2.15 says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Jesus defeated the enemy when he died on the cross and rose from the grave. And he did that for you. The devil, your enemy, is already defeated. He's already defeated. Chuck Smith always said, usurped authority means his power has already been taken away, and he, but he's trying to still pretend like he has some kind of power, and it's going away fast. And he knows where he's going, and he wants to take your kids and other people to where he's going. He wants people to go with him. You know, the devil has a plan for your life, and God has a plan for your life. John 10.10 10 says, The thief does not come except to, to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life, and they may have it more abundantly. That's the two plans. The devil's plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. And God's plan is to abundant life today and eternal life forever. Which plan are we going to follow? In Uganda, when I got there, I had been there for many years in this village of Ashunga before I ever found out about this tree. They, in a, uh, or the Ankole tribe, they, they are involved in witchcraft, but they hide it. It's all done in secret. And they had this tree where they were worshiping the devil. And they were offering sacrifices for hundreds of years of this tree. And this giant tree stood in this beautiful valley as a symbol of the devil and his devil's control over the people in the area. And this is an example I want to use because it talks about people's being afraid, fear, and the devil lying. That tree was a lie and it was keeping people in bondage of fear. But God sent us there and God let us, we cut this tree down. And it was like the, cutting down the high places. I'm like, we, this valley belongs to Jesus. God sent me here, and we're going to serve Jesus in this place. And we began teaching the kids and the people. And there was no way that tree was standing there. And we, you know, I think about Gideon and many other people in the Bible, Jehoshaphat, Josiah, who cut down the high places. And that's exactly what we did. God allowed us to do. So we have this little video. It's two minutes um, about this tree. That we got, that God allowed us to go and cut down to show people that God is greater, Amen. We're here, we're here at the tree, and the tree the God, but this is where people for hundreds of years have offered sacrifices to this tree, to the gods or whoever they were offering sacrifices to. Now we are here trying to bring an end to the to the lies of um, idol worship and bring the truth of Jesus Christ. There's only one God, Jesus, and Yeshua Lili. Jesus is alive. They believe that if you took any of the branches, you'd be cursed, so we cooked some bananas over one of the branches. <laughs> they thought it would bleed if you cut it, so I'm showing showing it doesn't bleed. No blood. There's so many lies. This is no blood in Run Your Tree was a giant tree. It had been there for hundreds of years. You know, pictures don't really do it justice. The branches were everywhere. All those roots were everywhere. They believe it was protected by snakes. So I'm looking for the snakes. People were so afraid they wouldn't the people who had chainsaws bias wouldn't come. They were afraid of the tree. So we had to get people from like five hours away to come with the chainsaws to cut this tree down. Four chainsaws, five, more than five hours. We were praying for the people who were cutting down the tree that nothing would happen because they would have blamed the tree. But nothing happened. God protected us. Hallelujah. You know, a lot of stuff happened when we cut that tree down. A lot of the people, they believed all these lies and they were all afraid. And uh, When we cut the, took the branch and we cut it up and cooked bananas over it, uh, after we, uh, afterwards one, um, one of my employees walked up and whispered in my ear, Daddy Bilu, you better be careful, the snake's going to get you. They really believed the tree was protected by giant snakes and all sorts of lies. And, you know, I, I use this as an example because the devil's trying to, you know, keep us in bondage through fear and lies. We need to reject the lies of the devil and reject the fear of the enemy and trust God. Because, you know what, the Bible tells us about God's four-by-four. Four. You know, to, go, to two, go down to Home Depot, you buy a four-by-four, four. it's like a big big piece of timber, right? God's four-by-four four is 1 John 4.4. 4. He who lives in me is greater than he who lives in the world. Amen. And that is true today for you. Whatever God's taking you through or allowing in your life, He is greater. They came and told me after we cut this tree down, well, Daddy Bilu's small gods must be greater than our small gods. I'm like, are you kidding? There is no small God. I serve Jesus Christ, the one true God. And He is greater than anything the devil can throw at us. You know, amazing things happened when we cut that tree down. Two of the families that were heavily involved in worshiping that tree, one of the families, the father, was Richard. He was sick and dying. They didn't know what was wrong with him, but they were preparing to bury him. We cut that tree down, the very next day, Richard was completely healed. He was delivered by Jesus Christ. And I went and shared the gospel with Richard. He gave his life to Christ, and now he serves Jesus. Amen. And the other, right, the tree's here and it's a giant, the tree doesn't even do justice. There's a picture there where I'm standing at the the tree and I look like a little ant next to the giant, giant uh, uh, trunk. And uh, right next to the, a little hill next to the tree was a family that had four grown boys. And then four boys came and saw me and they said, Daddy Bilu, thank you. We believed the lies of this tree for so many years and now we know it was a lie and we know that Jesus is the truth. They gave their lives to Christ. And man, the death of the tree really showed the people there that God is real. The victory is available through Jesus Christ to all of us today. Leads us to our final point. Victory is available today, the way to victory. And here in James chapter 4, 7 to 10, he gives six things that we can do to have victory today. And I'm not talking about a six-step program or some kind of a program. I'm talking about walking with Jesus daily. But loving God and surrendering daily to Jesus Christ, that's the victory. It's a daily surrender, a daily walk with Jesus. That's where the victory is. You know, it's not about saying a prayer 10 years ago and now I'm good. No, it's daily walking with Christ. And here he gives us six things. The first, submit to God. It means surrender completely to God. Therefore, submit to God. And that's a, the submit is a military word meaning it's like a private submitting to a commanding officer. Give 100% to God. And the second thing, resist the devil. Give nothing to the devil. Give your life daily to Jesus Christ and say no to the devil. Give him nothing. And it says the word uh, resist means to stand against. To stand against. And I wish we had time to go to Ephesians chapter 6 because there, in Ephesians 6, Paul tells us about the spiritual armor that we can put on daily to have victory. And he says, stand, stand therefore, and stand again. Amen. We can stand in the power of the Spirit against the enemy. And we are victorious. Jesus already is victorious. And because we follow Christ, we're victorious. Resist the devil. And, he, and the other comes with a promise. He will flee. He will run away. And remember, Jesus has already won the battle. In Uganda, there's, they love football, soccer. And they love two teams. Uganda, I mean, United, Manchester United and Arsenal. And we play in our chapel every weekend, the matches, because the guys are going. It's one of our ministries because the the fathers love football. And they'll go to the only place to watch it was at a bar. And So they'd go and spend the money that they should be buying food for their kids, buying alcohol. So we're like, forget this. We're going to play the games in our chapel. And it's become a great outreach to the people. But when they come to the they everybody loves either Manchester United or Arsenal. When they come into that chapel to watch the match, they're rooting for their team, they're hoping their team wins, but they don't have, they don't know. They gotta watch the whole match to see who wins. Amen. But you know what? We already know who wins. The end of the story is already told us. Jesus wins. And if you trust Jesus, you win. Amen. Today. And he wants to see you do do great victories in your life. You go out and tell others about him. Nothing better than you can do to tell people about Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. And I've done things that movies were made of. I, oh my goodness. I worked in a narcotics T street team, where we busted down people's doors almost every day. And talk about it, if you're an adrenaline junkie, be an undercover narcotics top, cop, boom, 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 sheriff's department, demand entry, boom, 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 sheriff's department, demand entry, boom! And we're running, you know, we're clearing the house, and it was fun. You with me? Is <laughs> it okay to be fun to be a, I don't know, it wasn't fun for the people, but it was fun for me. <laughs> But let me tell you, serving Jesus is a million times better than anything else. Anything else. There's nothing greater than going out and telling somebody about Jesus and having them listen. And man, and seeing God's work in people's lives is the greatest. That's what we are created for, to know Jesus and share with others. Continuing the third thing. Third thing is draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. This is an invitation and a promise. Draw near is an invitation for you to come and draw near to God. He wants to know you personally. He wants to have a close, intimate relationship with you. And then it's also a promise that as you draw near to him, he promises to meet you. What an amazing truth as we step towards God that he comes and meets us. As we draw near to God and spend time with his presence, we're gonna, he's going to show us our sins, right? And then the fourth thing is, it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You know, cleansing our hands talks about our outward sins. Cleansing our hearts or purifying our hearts talks about our inward sin. And we're not talking about taking a bath. We're talking about allowing the Holy Spirit to the gods as we surrender and confess, admit our sins, repent, completely surrender our lives by faith, allow the blood of Jesus to cleanse us completely inside and out. This is the fifth thing, lamenting and mourning. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and joy to gloom. Again, as you're walking with God, as you draw near to God, he's, you're going to be convicted of your sins. Think of Isaiah. Again, Isaiah chapter 6, he saw, his, he saw the holiness of God. He saw God's throne and all the majesty in, uh, that he saw there. And what did he see? He saw God and what did he see? Woe is me. And he lamented and he mourned over his sin, and it's the same that happens to us. As you draw near to God; God reveals your sins, brings us to a place of brokenness and surrender, recognizing without God, I got nothing. Leads us to the, f- the sixth thing: humble yourself, and that's so all of those things will bring you to a place of humility. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Again, Isaiah saw the Lord. He saw God high and exalted. And what did he say? Woe is me. When we see God, and we're going to see our sins, and it's going to bring us to a place of humility. He says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift us up. James 4, turn back one page. Verse 6, James 4, 6 says... He gives more grace. What an amazing truth. Where our sin abounds, grace abounds much more. No matter what sin you have in your life, His grace is greater than that sin. And even like you think about that, with the guys are ministering to the people in the prison. There's, people are never too far from God. As long as you have breath in your lungs, you still have hope. So if you have somebody in your family or you're praying for these guys in the prisons, they're never too far from God as long as they have breath in their lungs. How do I know? Because my mom prayed for me for 25 years. And after 25 years, at the age of 38, I finally, God finally worked. And if God can save me and God can use me, he can use anyone. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up bring this to a close, Paul told the Galatians to walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16, I say then, walk in the Spirit. You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And really, that's the victory daily, walking in the Spirit, daily spending time with Jesus, daily surrendering, allowing the Spirit to have control of your life and following Him, His power. And I think about this amazing truth that for a born-again believer trusting in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He gave His Spirit as a guarantee. The Holy Spirit lives in you. That means God lives in you. Can anyone defeat God? So if you're following Jesus, can you be defeated? You cannot. Even if God allows my body to die, isn't that the victory? I don't know about you, but I want to see Jesus. I can't wait. I don't know what He looks like. I don't exactly know what it's going to be like, but I want to be there. The word is Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. And he could come today. The question for everybody is, are you ready? And being ready is simple. It's just trusting in Jesus as your Lord and Savior and believing, repenting and following Jesus daily and walking in His Spirit. I think about this. God allows our body to die. We're not defeated. That's the victory. 2 Corinthians 5.1 says, For we know that if this earthly house, this house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Amen. Even if our body dies, that's our victory. We're going to get a new body, a new, new heaven, a new life in heaven, a building not made with hands from God, eternal. God has given us eternal life. God wants us to walk with him. And I just want to remind you, this is not our home. For Christians, for followers of Christ, this place is not your home. We're just sojourners. We're just pilgrims passing through. This is not our home. Philippians 3.20, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we e- also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're citizens of heaven. As followers of Jesus Christ, our home is not here. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Where I am, you will be also. We have a mansion waiting for us in heaven, and this is not our home. I might be a citizen of the United States, but that's temporary. I'm really a citizen of heaven because I believe in Jesus. And I want to leave you with this thought. You know, those, those people in Uganda, they had an idol. It was a tree. And we cut that tree down. And uh, just represents how idol can be a tree. It can be uh, your phone. It can be your wife. It can be anything. Again, we need to be honest with God. Do you have any trees in your heart that you need to cut down? Do you have any idols in your life that you need to cut down and cast out and let Jesus have the rightful place in your heart? As the Lord of lords, King of kings, He deserves to His place. He's in our hearts. He is Lord of lords, King of kings. He's already Lord. doesn't matter what we do. He's still Lord. But he wants to be Lord of your life. Won't you cast, cast out all the idols and let Jesus come in and have his rightful place in your heart? On the throne of your heart is Lord.